And I think if you spin up customer success in a reactive way, so meaning like, oh crap, we're like losing some of our big customers because they don't like our product, but like, let's just slap customer success on there and then they can like talk to the customer and then the customer won't leave because they build a relationship with us. If it doesn't flow from your strategy, from your approach to the market, and you can't fall out quite naturally from what you're doing and you can't draw it all out on a big whiteboard, then I think the team over time will get broken into a million different pieces as they try to figure out what to invest in as opposed to it being extremely clear. Hey y'all, I'm Chase Clemens. Welcome back to the Support Ops Hangout. This is a show that helps you deliver a better support experience to your customers. Now, for the first time in many, many a week, our entire crew is back. We'll start with Carolyn from Buffer. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Hello from Portland, Oregon. And then next up, Jeff Vincent from Wistia. How are things? Oh, they're great. I love being second in the, in the list this week. Yeah, I moved you up, moved you up a little bit. Nice. Wow, great. I'm ahead of Livingston. I'm feeling good. And then, of course, last but certainly not least, Chase Livingston from Automatic. How are things? Hey, it's good to be back. Oh, all right. So we're wrapping up our uh, our new customer onboarding series this week, and we're going to look at something that has become more prevalent in the support industry, at least as far as SaaS app goes, I guess. It's something that I see more now than I did when I first started at Basecamp uh, back in, in 2011, at least. So there's this idea of, of customer support as, as being reactive, this kind of first line of defense. And then you have this customer success team that doesn't handle these reactive cases. They're more proactive. They focus instead on helping the customer achieve the goals by using using your product. And, and so you get kind of this weird dichotomy of, of this customer support versus customer success. And, and um, yeah, so that's what I kind of want to tackle. Is that a good idea? Is this something that, that every company should do? Is this something that's going to hurt in the long run? You know, all those, uh, those fun fun things there. So Jeff, let's start with you. Um, does, I think Wistia has a success team set up, right? Yeah. So we have a success team whose strategy right now is more on the one-to-one end. So they're a little bit more, what I, I, I think of them as more tightly coupled with the sales team. Um, so I think like success is a super, super broad term. Um, and I think there's also room for a strategy where you're more in the one-to-many, like the proactive the way you were describing at the show open. Um, I think both can work. It depends on your strategy as a company. Yeah. So just so we can kind of set the stage, your your Wistia is the, the perfect example because you've got you've got sales, then you have success, then you have support. So if I am if I'm looking at Wistia and I'm a customer, what's my interaction going to be like with sales versus success versus support? Yeah, so for people who come in through the full-service sales route, which is still a fairly small percentage of total customers, they would actually have a handoff to success. So we're in the camp that provides uh, like a one-to-one customer success manager at a certain tier. So customers come in, they're like, I'm clueless about video. We want someone like a helpful partner to walk us through the process and who can be there when things go bump in the night. We're like, great, that's actually what we do we provide success for. Um, so success is equal parts like um, educator, 
helping you use the product, onboard the product properly, get your team set up with using it. And they're also like a super knowledgeable support person. So all points of contact come through one person and they can be then routed to like support engineering, general support, back to sales um, for potentially like upgrade conversations, that kind of thing. Um, success sits at the f- sort of on top of all that and tracks all the interactions, the touch points that a customer has. So I guess like my final question around that. So if, if I'm on that tier that has that customer success manager, that one-to-one that we're talking about, when would I interact with like the regular customer support team versus that success manager? Um, I think it depends. Uh, and I don't direct that team, but I think uh, the way that they, they go about it is um, for the majority of things that just need, I hate to put the word transactional support on it, but like transactional support, when you just need a quick, quick help, or you just want to alert somebody that something's not working as it should, uh, go to support because the, the um, response will be faster and CC your CSM. When it's a little bit more aligned with the narrative of how X company is onboarding onto using a video marketing platform and using Wistia, then go to the CSM first. They'll have more uh, of the, you know, they'll have a better understanding of where the company's at, who the different players are. Um, maybe they sent resources to one person and not another, something like that. Um, so they don't get a big runaround um, going to a support person who has none of the context. Got it. And just for our listeners like that, I think that's a fairly typical kind of setup when we're talking about a company that does have sales, that does have success, that does have support. I think Jeff is is kind of laid that out very nicely. So thanks for that. You're our, our like example perfect case for that. Um, I can't wait to talk about the downsides with that model because <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so Chase Livingston with Automatic, you, you've got. Y'all used to call them VIP Wranglers or something like that, right? And that yeah, was that's uh, <clears throat> for the yeah the VIP customers who are are very special with an automatic for sure because they pay a lot a lot of money. Yeah, but outside of that, there's not. So if like, so if Chase goes down to to WordPress.com, signs up, and says like, "Hey, I want like this kind of success one to one manager that Jeff was talking about," is that something automatic does? Uh, that was actually so. We were just talking before the show about Subconf, and that's kind of what Jeremy Duvall's talk from Subconf was about. Um, we do for um, on WordPress.com for business plan customers, so the two ninety nine a year um, top tier sort of com plan we do offer um, like a it's called a we call it a concierge chat so like a 30 minute session with a, a happiness engineer on a you know a, a Skype call or a zoom call or something like that to, you know just get help setting up your site answering questions that kind of thing um, so they're not I guess technically a, a, like a, um, a rep that you could just always get in touch with although um, you know anytime you get in touch with support. That's something that they could reference or, you know, pass off to that person if, if it needs to be passed off to. So in a way, I guess you kind of do get, um, you know, I mean, it's definitely high touch. Um, and it's not necessarily its own team. It's just happiness engineers from, from various teams working together, uh, you know, doing this in addition to live chat or, or email support. This is just another part of their, their daily job, um, is to, to man these sessions and, talk with users, you know, get feedback and, and that kind of thing. And, and with those, so it's not a separate team like Jeff was talking about. Are there people on the happiness engineering team that 
um, like grow into that role? Or I guess I'm kind of curious about that. Like if you're, you're just like a regular happiness engineer at, at Automatic and you say, hey, I want to do some of these more high touch chats, setups and things. Is that something that you get trained for? Is it like, like, how does that work? Yeah, yeah, there's definitely training. I think a lot of the folks that started out, so like Jeremy, obviously, and, and others who, who sort of pioneered um, when, we, when we started this a few months back, uh, maybe almost a year ago now, um, they were happiness engineers that had been around for a while, sort of, you know, knew the ins and outs of the product pretty well and, you know, had the, the ability to, um, you know, walk a user through things um, via voice instead of our normal, you know, text methods of communication. So, you know, something that you want to be comfortable with to, to be able to do that or a screen share uh, or whatever you're the case may be. Um, but yeah, now we've, we've added uh, a lot more folks. Um, and it is, you know, kind of something that, you know, if somebody's interested, obviously there's, you know, training available and, um, uh, but, but also just some folks who, um, yeah, have, have volunteered and just jumped right into it because they know the product well and, and, you know, it's a good fit for them. Yeah. And just to kind of give, continue this baseline with Basecamp, same kind of setup. It's, we're all that one customer support team. And for those that want to do these kind of one-to-one trainings and things I've been mentioned that it's, it's kind of like you just specialize is not the right word kind of side project is a better kind of term for that, but it's definitely you express an interest in it. Uh, and then you just kind of start doing them. Um, and Carolyn, again, just continuing with the baseline, does buffer do any success teams? Sort of. Um, so I was going to plus one, your comment that Jeff's description was like, very common model. Um, we did that at Emma. Um, we had like P we had a group of people who just talked to the support team, a group of customers, and then the higher, higher, um, paying customers talked to both the support team and the, um, their like individual rep. Um, and plus one also on Jeff's comment about the challenges of that. Um, Jeff, you got two plus twos. (laughs) Yeah. At Buffer, we, um, we are sort of, we've never really gone the total like account manager route until very recently. Um, and so now we are just now doing that for, um, our highest paying agencies and customers, um, like, you know, large businesses, multiple hundreds of dollars. Um, and we also have similar to what Jeff said, um, the closest thing we have to like a sales team is our onboarding team. So we do have uh, people who sort of facilitate the trial experience um, and process. So now, and that, and both of those teams are very tightly integrated with, but not exactly the same as like straight customer service support type teams. So um, right now we have all three of those, but we don't have a sales team. Um, but like that, that onboarding team um, helps like sort of filling in the gaps for that between, between a full sales team and just like a self-service trial. Mm-hmm. All right. So we've, we've got the baseline set. We, we kind of covered the, like what, what all four of our companies are doing. I want to open this up to, to any of y'all that want to jump in. What, what's the, the, the plus side for all of this? Like why, why do a, a set customer success team? I think your original framing of the <clears throat> proactive reactive is um, I'm not going to say just blanket right, but it is helpful to think about the CSM as being 
proactive in terms of the customers that they support. Um, and I think for us, just given our like strategy, customer base direction, that was the right thing for us to let the customer support, our customer support team thinks more broadly about all customers. So not only how do we provide them fast, the fastest and most informative support, but also how do we update our documentation? How do we um, facilitate like feedback back to product about like general uh, platform issues? Um, so, so having the customer success team means that that team can be much more focused. Um, it also means that they can focus on their purpose being around support and not having the sort of support and education dual mode that I think is just two completely different ways of thinking um, that we found really challenging in the past. Uh, on the success side, here's what we're doing well. We are, we are doing a good job of supporting and educating in a proactive way the few customers that that team touches. Yeah, the the relationship there is is a really really big win. It's one of those where when I go to Wistia and I've got a, a customer success manager that that I know, it's there's. All right, let me back up and give you an example. So I had to call my insurance company. We've been fighting for a couple of weeks to get some claims approved and things like that. And every time I called them, it was always somebody different. It was somebody that had to read up on all the complexities of our situation so far, hoping that everyone left good notes that would enable them to uh, like have a good grasp on the situation. And then when you get finished with the conversation, you know as soon as you hang up, even if you call back right away, it's going to be somebody completely different. So it's a waste of time, their time, my time. It's frustrating. Probably not quite as much for them since that's status quo for them. But for me, it was very, very frustrating because you get into this situation where it's like, is anybody even listening or caring at this point? Versus when I call down to the um, my doctor's office, they know me. They know exactly what's been going on. They know the situation from that, that we've been in. So there's no time spent like getting them up to speed. It's literally like, here's this new piece of information that you need to have. And, and it's like, there's a, her name's Renee. I call Renee at the doctor's office and she's handling things like that. That experience is so like, it, it's worth every dollar that I give to my doctor for that versus the insurance company where it's very like to use that transactional thing again, it's, it's not a, like a straight transaction, but I feel like I'm just another number that they're getting through at that point. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think our ideal case to just stretch your analogy far past where it's supposed to go, um, our ideal case would be someone from the doctor's office calling and saying, hey, we know that your son has always had really dry skin. You've been in a number of times to like try to help with it. We haven't really been able to help. Something just came out that we'd love to, that we really think would work. And we just want to make sure you're aware of it and maybe like bring some over and like show you how to use it or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, where a not, like I, I've been shocked in the past uh, by asking our customers in person, Hey, have you heard about this feature that we launched six months ago that we put like weeks of prep um, and thousands and thousands of dollars into budget to try to tell them about and the percentage that had either heard about it or retained that information was like single digits, low, low double digits. Well, when you have a CSM, um, they have the context of your business and what you're trying to achieve, which means you have that like uber targeted 
message from them that's like, hey, it's Margot from Wistia. We just launched this thing. I made a screencast specifically for you on how your business can take advantage of it because I know, you know, Jeremy from your claims office is like trying to make videos to like communicate to everybody why the monthly close is so important or something like that. (laughs) And that's where, yeah, that's where, that's like our ideal dream case. Does it happen every time? I don't know the answer to that. I'm going to say yes. (laughs) (laughs) And that can be... So like with, with Carolyn, with Buffer, that can be one of those where CR so doing the, the kind of onboarding approach that, that are getting them account managers and things at that higher level. These are companies that just want to get in and start using Buffer. They don't want to have to sit down and, and try to figure out how exactly Instagram connects in and how Facebook connects in and all the quirks and things that go with that. They just want to like use Buffer and get better. So like having that account manager can be really helpful at that point. I'm not sure I understand your question. <laughs> Are you saying people who don't want to have to talk to a person don't have to? No, I can't. So one of the common things that we've kind of seen with, with Buffer and Automatic is like these, these account managers that step in for onboarding, it, it tends to be like higher business plans. Yes. You know, it's the ones that give you hundreds and hundreds of dollars. So it's one where if they step in and they have you know Jane that they can, they can call into Buffer and talk to about how their setup goes, then it's worth it to them because they've got that instant connection. Yes. They're, they're, they're more than happy to spend that kind of money to get that. Yeah. So it's, it's going to be a win for them at that point. Yeah. And obviously it works both ways in the sense that um, they are more invested in us quite literally when they're spending more money. So they're happy to invest further in terms of time and that relationship. Yeah. Whereas not so much on the other side of here. Um, if this is just like, one of the tools you use, you don't necessarily want to spend the time to make sure the setup is perfect until you're much further into the relationship. Yeah, it becomes sticky for them. So it's a lot harder for them to drop you, which makes you happy. Yeah. Yeah. And I just wanted to add one thing to Jeff's point earlier about like knowing that the specific product that you're releasing is going to or feature that you're releasing is going to improve an individual person or team's problem. Um, that definitely happens in support too. Um, but it tends to happen over, over time as opposed to intentionally. So you can still have like, I I've seen, I mean, I, even I know like years after doing customer support at Buffer, like if we released certain features, I would like think of individual customers who would, who I would like reach out to about it. Um, but yeah, the fact that like, it's, it, that's not your job. That's just, a, that's just like one of the side effects of being in that role for multiple years and, and having a great care for it. Whereas like if the team that is their job is to know those things, then obviously that's like a much quicker, shorter, more efficient way to reach that, that I'd, ideal. I'd imagine they have some like buffer is, is <laughs> so every time I feel like we talk about buffer on the show, it's always like, there's this process that's put in place to make sure that that same great experience. So it seems like if you've got that dedicated kind of people for that, that it's not their side job, you can start a process and ensure those really solid results every time. Yeah. Uh, similar, um, similarly, it's, uh, it's kind of a new process for us to do that. Um, that very like, yeah, concierge type experience. <laughs> um, but it is better. I mean, like the difference between getting 
an automated email that says like, your subscription is renewing versus like a person emailing you saying your subscription is renewing. Let's talk. Is there anything that you need? Is, you know, how are we doing on this, that, and the other thing? Um, you know, how is, how is, how is it working for you? Or I noticed that this, that was in your account, you know, was that effective? Or I see that it was effective or here's some tips for how to be more effective. Like the difference between those two experiences are night and day. It's almost like to borrow a phrase from Jeff, it's intensely human at that point. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. So Livingston, does that, that, does that hold true for, and I know we're kind of reaching into like the, the more, um, the, the newer stuff you are doing with those onboarding chats and everything, but do you feel that when you do those kind of onboarding chats, that that customer is more invested at that point, that, that you're more likely to keep them as a customer? Because it's, it's really easy to like pack up WordPress and go to another site if you want to. Yeah, that's one of the reasons, honestly, we are, are, have been trying this out. And I think um, the data is starting to show, you know, now that we're um, have been doing it for a while, you know, we can see some better trends in the data and stuff that the users are more likely to stick around for longer periods and, and continue to pay us um, for those subscriptions if they've taken the time to um, and invested their own time just as much as we invest our time into, you know, learning the product and asking questions and, and just having sort of a, a nice kickoff um, for their site in this case is, you know, ultimately what these users are, are trying to do is, is build a website. Um, and so, you know, we do find that if we take the time to, um, you know, invest in teaching them and, and not just, you know, doing things for them, but actually, you know, showing and, and teaching them how to accomplish the, the things that they want to do on their own, um, that they're, you know, ultimately happier customers and, and tend to, to stick around and, and continue to, you know, engage and, and use the product. So this is all great and all when everything works right, <laughs> like Jeff was talking about earlier. Um, I'm kind of more skeptical of this approach. I have been for a while um, just because the, the splitting out of a team uh, when you, when you take kind of your, your customer facing teams and split them out, it, it becomes really easy to get siloed. Um, so there's, there's definitely some downsides with this. Uh, Jeff, why don't you, why don't you start us off since you mentioned it earlier? What, what, what's some of the, the downsides that, that come with having these distinct sales support success and, and so on teams? Um, I think I'm trying to find another way to say siloed. Um, when you have different teams, there's the one side, which is the, the, the benefit is you can be much clearer about the purpose and their team's mission, which I think is, is great. The, uh, the downside that comes along with that, uh, is that their goals become very, uh, function focused. So like the sales team becomes a sales team. Once you call something a sales team, in a matter, you know, it doesn't matter what your company culture looks like at that moment. I think at a certain point, it becomes like a traditional sales team. I mean, that's certainly the experience that we had. Um, you hire people who will tell you that if you're going to have a sales team, this is how you run it. Um, and I mean, we've seen great success. I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing, but that is a downside of splitting them out um, as opposed to sort of one team having all of the context. Um, another, like for... So again, like there's multiple different strategies for running customer success. The one that we've chosen uh, services the few and not the many. And so we're starting to experiment with things like uh, webinars, like, like creating content that 
maybe is exclusive to a few at first and then afterwards is shared with with many um, because ultimately the the goal of the company should be customer success um, and and that means turning everybody on the platform uh, into you know their flavor of superhero using your software um, and that when we provide them to only a few uh, that's sort of like an it's like a premium offering that we can give to only a few people because of the size of our team. Uh, so whenever you make a decision like that, I mean, not to dodge the question, but like whenever you make a decision like that, there, there are inherent downsides to the approach. Um, I personally, I don't see a big downside in splitting out the support and education pieces. Um, I've, I mean, I've seen it both ways and I just, feel like the support team i don't know if ben mccormick is ever going to come through on this talk that i that i said he was going to do at subconf but support teams get inbox addictions and they will they you know you have x number of tickets they will work on those tickets because that becomes like the most important part of their job the education part definitely comes second and uh that means they will always get I don't know, short shrift is not the way to say it, but it will always be kind of like the, the second priority. Whereas for customer success, it, it could be the first priority. Yeah, so real quick, I think Ben did, I remember seeing something from him about like break the addiction to the queue or break the queue addiction or something. I'll find it and put it in the show notes. Yes, it's, please it's, give, it's, give that man a shout out. He, <laughs> he does great work. It is floating around there somewhere. Um, yeah, it's definitely one of those where, so again, in theory, in the, the like buffer unicorn magical world that we all wish to live in all the time, um, and I say buffer just because of the unicorns and things, <laughs> um, you know, your your customer success team is taking what they learn in those one-to-one interactions and sharing that information with support, sharing it with the education side of things, making sure that that um, information is flowing to to make sure it's, it's used for everyone. So like you mentioned earlier, like, you know, if you're doing kind of these one-to-ones and you notice a couple of themes that keep popping up, then you make it into like a, an online class or a video or something like that, where everybody will have access to that information. Uh, we did something similar with one of the questions that we kept getting in, in one-to-one trainings that we did was like, what's the like top three things I need to tell my team when I roll this out. So once we kind of, figured that out and figured out what the the top three were, we were able to test it with some of these one-to-one interactions, see that it worked, and then we can roll it out to everybody in the form of a video or help doc or or anything like that. So they provide this nice playground. But again, like if you don't share that information, then, then like you're, you're kind of siloed again. Yeah. I mean, just to add one more thing onto that, I think an, an upside of our approach is um, the success team's feedback comes separately mm-hmm. from um, from the general support feedback. So in the past, um, we would have lost some of those. Like uh, we don't have as many premium like of those highest end customers, but they may, for for example. Um, on Wistia, they become higher end customers because they make a ton of video and they have giant audiences. 
So the support problems that they're running into were easy to kind of think, oh, well, you know, there's only 1% of people running into this problem, not a big deal. When the success team is experiencing 100% of those problems, it's a lot easier for them to say with conviction, yeah, we've got a problem that we need to solve here. The downside, if you're not clear about what your strategy is, um, you could also find yourself as a product and a product team going after the customers that pay you the most money because success can have such a clear argument of we're going to lose this. Like it's, there's no question of, well, this support interaction didn't go great. I don't know. It's like, no, they're definitely going to leave. They told me, you know, because we have a good relationship that they are going to try out other providers if we don't fix this. So it's, there's definitely more weight to maybe we should fix this problem for this one customer, um, which can be great, uh, can also be very dangerous. Carolyn, have you all run into that with Buffer? Yeah. Um, the, the, the last thing Jeff said about um, the success team having such a uh, voice and such a convincing argument. Yeah. Um, the, we haven't had it that much because um, I would say that Hannah and our onboarding team are very disciplined um, and they, they make a great effort to see the whole picture. And so they don't get quite as caught up in, um, well, this one customer said they were going to leave if we didn't fix this. So, um, and it's often, we are able to, with the help of the data team and the, and the data analysts to sort of tell the other side of the story, like to Jeff's point, well, it is 1% of customers. Like, what does that mean? Is it the 1% of customers who are paying this, this amount? Well, is that our target market or is this the point at which customers graduate from buffer? Like that's a really useful conversation to have anyway. So um, that's been really productive when that has happened. Um, So we haven't had it too badly. Um, I do agree that like that can happen sometimes with the sales team. And I think the marketing team probably feels like a little bit of that role of buffer, which is this tension between current customers who want or need something versus customers who aren't joining because they want or need something or customers who are leaving because they, we don't have a particular feature. Um, and those three categories can sometimes be really different. Um, and so I totally agree that finding the right balance of those three things, um, and just like what fits into the vision that customers aren't even asking for, um, is a really important fourth as well. So, um, yeah, we haven't, we haven't really had that problem, but we don't have a perfect solution for balancing those columns, I don't think. So shifting just a little bit here, one of the, one of the things, so I want you to know too, for all of our listeners, like this was one of those things where I, um, so like Basecamp, we don't, we don't really have these set success versus support teams and things. So I wanted to hear from other companies that do. So I used the subconf last week to, uh, to like talk to some of these, these teams that are doing this, which is really, really helpful because one of the big like recurring issues that I kept hearing from folks was the fact that if you split these teams out, you, you have to be really careful not to end up with a, well, customer support is like reactive bug fixing. Like they're, they're like this tier one 
and then you like graduate out of it. So it becomes like this, like this entry level job at that point. Um, Carolyn, have you seen or kind of uh, like, what's your experience around that? Like seeing customer support as literally just like this intro job where we're going to give you eight bucks an hour. And then maybe one day you can graduate to like the real team and and it'd be the, the customer success team. Yeah, I think that's, that's a great point. Um, I do think that it's, it's a natural flow that that thing that you just described is a bit of a natural flow for learning the product and developing relationships with relationships with customers. So it does make sense a lot of the time, in my opinion, to start in support. Um, and then once you are not intimidated to, uh, I think Livingston's point earlier about getting on the phone or doing a screen share, like once you know that you can totally handle that situation because you know your stuff, then those are the people, those are the team members who are qualified to be like account manager type roles. So it is, a, it, I don't want to say don't like, you know, I, I just want to push back a little bit and, and cause that, that flow does make sense a little bit. Um, especially in terms of onboarding and learning, but you're right. It's more about a different set of skills and a different set of interests than it is um, that one is like better than the other. And it can absolutely feel that way. Um, And this is like so many of the other topics and conversations we've had in here, but um, you know, support is like really hard. It can be a, a burnout job if it's treated that way. And so like, that's probably the biggest thing to caution against. Um, and the, the other piece that we always experienced at Emma, which was the challenge was, um, like if the people who are doing account management don't also do support or don't also have all that knowledge or aren't willing to do support or think somehow that their role doesn't include support, um, that can be when it gets really weird because like a customer, we always found that like the distinction between when you want this type of help, call me, when you want this other type of help, go to this other team was always incredibly confusing and really annoying for the customer. And they would be like, no, you're my person. Like you deal with it. If you need to find the answer internally, you figure that out. Like don't try and educate me about the different teams in your company. Um, and so when we moved away from that model and just said like, okay, we might rely on the support team to help us answer this question, but like, we're your first line of defense and we, it's our responsibility to, to be as up on, on things as possible. Um, that worked much better. So I'd be curious to hear Jeff's distinction of those two experiences and see if that, if, did you say that is working for you with the educating the customer? Um, I have no idea. Okay. Um, I have no idea, but I know that uh, something that we did work pretty hard to make happen is people can email whoever they want. So customers don't have to remember the email address now. Um, They can just click support in the product and they can send it in and the CSM is notified and the support team is also notified. Um, I think it's... That's good. Yeah, I, I... I definitely don't want to say this is exactly how it works. We should just have Ali Knoll, um, our head of customer success on the show, and she can tell us all about it. Um, but I believe that that's how – I believe that customers are still invited to send that email in, especially if they think for some reason that, you know, Ali or someone on her team is is not available to answer the question. 
And so, Carolyn, one of the things that you mentioned was the burnout there. Chase, so it feels like one of the pros here of, of keeping this all in like the, the customer team, the happiness engineer team is, so like with you, you can go in, you can do live chat support, you can do email support, whatever. And then as a kind of block against getting burnt out on that type of that channel, you can switch over and go, all right, I'm going to do like this one-to-one onboarding training thing like once a day or couple of times a day or a couple of times a week or whatever. And it, it kind of, again, it like guards against that burnout a little bit, it sounds like. Yeah, yeah, I definitely think that's one of the reasons. Uh, and I think, you know, a lot of people have uh, side projects, not just, you know, this in particular, but this is a good example of one that's still obviously a, a customer facing role that you're still interacting with customers and um, helping them with with problems. So if obviously if customer supports your passion and and you know that's the career that you're building, this is a great way to to better that and, and gain some experience and you know one to one customer interactions with you know some high touch rather than you know live chat or, or email where it's not quite as uh, personal and, and high touch. So I think that is definitely a, a big reason that the people are interested in doing this. I know for me, that was one of those where when we thought about it for Basecamp, the, like the model that we kind of kept coming back to, I might have mentioned this in, in one of our previous episodes, but it's this, this idea of, so if you're fighting fires all day, that gets really old really quick. Like think about an actual fire engine company. Like if all they did all day, every day, it was like, all right, you put this one building out. Now you're going to go over to this other building and, and put that one out too. And then once you get finished with that, then you're going over to this other building on fire. And then after that, you got a car down the street that is, I don't know, in this hypothetical city, like lots of things catch on fire all the time. Um, like that's not how a typical fire company works. It's, you know, that they do put out fires as they need to. They do that reactive support, but they also do a lot of proactive uh, support, whether it's community trainings or um, like when my wife had a, a building up on the square, they would come by and do fire code checks to make sure you had a working extinguisher and like the doors weren't blocked. And um, if they noticed anything, they would, they, they were like in town, they were really great because we had a, um, a door that wasn't entirely up to code or something like that. And the guy was like, Oh yeah, I've got like a recommendation. I'm going to call him real quick. He'll be here tomorrow and he'll fix this. And like everything was taken care of. It was, it was kind of, again, to go back to that model Jeff was talking about with the, the doctor's office, it was just like, they took care of it and it was just real. And then followed up like a couple of days later to make sure everything was fine. Um, so that's kind of the, um, when I when I make the case for keeping everybody on the same kind of customer team, that's the model I have in my mind. It's the, if you only do one-to-one trainings all day, every day, if you only do account management all day, every day, then it's really, really easy to get burnt out. It's really easy to get stuck in a rut. Um, it's really easy to get to the point where you're not enjoying it anymore. And so now you've got to like transfer off this team and go to another team and, and start doing stuff. Versus, you know, with Basecamp, we have one customer support team and we all just kind of work on what projects we want to. It's so in the last like two months, I've worked on everything from doing feature request interviews with customers all the way down to um, setting up in app um, support documentation. So customers will have access to the support site inside of Basecamp, So they don't have to leave it, which is really nice. So uh, that, that like wide range of what we're able to work on, makes me excited to go to work that day rather than, Oh God, I've got to like talk to six people because I'm their account manager today. Uh, it's just a different, like, I think you get to guard against that, that we'll call it burnout as a nice, easy word, but like you get to guard against everything that comes with burnout too. 
Yeah. Also, though. <laughs> challenge cake. Yeah. Challenge. I just want to challenge cake like a little bit in the sense that like splitting your role into too many fractures is also really challenging. So if you're supposed to be doing support and you're, you have this side project over here and you have this other responsibility that you're supposed to work on like four hours a week or whatever, like I find that to be really challenging and we've had limited success with it. Some folks who are super organized can time box in that way and be successful in multiple weight roles with like very different types of success metrics. But um, I think you have to you have to know your your team member carefully before encouraging that. Challenge cake accepted. Like totally, totally legit. So for me, it was one of those where I like I enjoy bouncing around to different projects every month or you know, every two months or something like that. Some people on our team don't. Some people like to, I'm going really deep and I'm specialized is the wrong word, but like this is going to be my my thing that I work on for six months. And mm-hmm. that's absolutely fine. It's like, that's, I think that's one of the pluses of keeping it all in one team versus like splitting it out into a couple of different ones. And then you have to like move teams or something like that. Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I challenge cake accepted on that one. I will, I will enjoy eating that one. <laughs> Perfect. All right. Last thoughts on uh, on this one. We'll wrap it up. Anything we missed? This is one of those where I wish we had like an audio version of all the like thinking faces that we make <laughs> during this. Like the Jeopardy music starts playing or something <laughs> like that. <laughs> I think this is such a tough topic. I mean, this is just new for a lot of teams. Okay. And it's going to take time for people to try out all the different approaches before they dial in on what's what's exactly right for their their company, their strategy, their customers. Um, so just to like pick in on that one real quick, like when we talk about dialing in, what what like what would you advise somebody? Like how is how is somebody supposed to figure out like what what what's working, what's not, and, and like start to dial that in. Yeah, I think one of the so one of the things that I feel really strongly about, um, and I mean, we've been kind of talking about how difficult customer support and customer experience roles are. It can be a real slog if not done right, um, and it can also be a real slog if you don't understand what uh, if it's not made clear to you and celebrated what the purpose and impact of your team's work is. And I think if you spin up customer success in a reactive way so meaning like oh crap we're like losing some of our big customers because they don't like our product but like let's just slap customer success on there and then they can like talk to the customer and then the customer won't leave because they build a relationship with us um or if you're like well you know we're not actually going to invest in proactive support but we'll just have a customer success function so that it looks like you know, oh yeah, you can have a CSM. It just all happens to be one person on the support team who takes on the role of customer success and they kind of go through the motions. Um, If it doesn't flow from your strategy, from your approach to the market and you can't, I I just happen to be like very logically driven. So if it can't fall out quite naturally from what you're doing and you can't draw it all out on a big whiteboard, then I think the team over time will get broken into a million different pieces as they try to figure out what to invest in as opposed to it being extremely clear. And I'm all for experimenting, but like a team without clear direction and clear, like, this is the priority. Like, this is why we're making this big investment here. And this is what we want the team to do. I think 
can really run astray and feel very led astray, very like floating out there. You know, they just do the same thing day in and day out without a ton of support. So um, my, my advice would be if you're, so let's say you're head of support um, and you're thinking about spinning up a customer success uh, function, um, talk to the people on your team who set strategy and vision, like the CEO, like the co-founders or, or whatever, and get a sense for how they think customer success can help. Or if they've already made that clear, then like think, definitely think through how you're going to bring these people on to your, to your team and like what value they provide to the customer. As Don't usual. Just it on. <laughs> We're all nodding. <laughs> I think just don't slap it on. That's going to be the name of the episode. That's a good one. That's that. That's a good one there. But but for real, like I think a lot of people hear about customer success and they're like, oh yeah, like we'll just throw that on there, and then like everything will be great. Um, and I just I just really encourage people to give it a lot of thought of like what the strategy is for customer success. Is it one to one? Is it one to many? Like ask other people who are doing it. Um, and have context on your business, like how you should approach it before you jump in. That seems like a great stopping spot. So uh, yeah, that's our take on this one. Let us know how you do it, what we got right, what we got wrong, all that good stuff. You can hit us up on email. It's hello at supportops.co. If it's bad stuff, just send it to Jeff. Jeff at wisdom.com. That'd be great. I don't even know if that's your real email address. I'm just assuming it is. So if there's another Jeff at Wistia, I'm sorry. Sorry, other Jeff. <laughs> uh, but yeah, we're hello at supportoffs.co. We're at supportoffs on Twitter. Thanks again for listening. We're off next week because I am going on vacation. And as much as I love you folks, I just want a vacation. So we're going to be off, but we'll be back in two weeks with a brand new series. Until we see you then, have an awesome week.